Welcome to Booking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the first and lasts, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to television's hottest new show. It don't work like that around here. This is the future. What a move by Gabriel! This is unique. This is NXT. I have more personality than my little finger than you have in your whole being. Go back to the minor league. I want it more than you. I want it more than you. And I sure. Success. Chief Slater has pinned Chris Jericho. Or failure is determined by a vote from these esteemed WWE pros. I regret to inform you. You have been eliminated from NXT. I can help it the whole time. They need to pick guys who are the best people for this job and the best person for this job. I'm one half of your hosting duo, Dan Griffin, joined as ever by my partner in podcasting, Piss Eddery UTT. Rob, Rob, how are you, mate? Well, I'm good. I'm good. I'm back fresh off my tour of Hull that uh, Chris Bellis gave me the other day. So, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Some fine drinking establishments with uh, Mr. Bellis. So, uh, yeah, uh, great time had by all. Did I hear that uh, the bone machine was in the works? Yeah, we went to the bone machine um, tap room. Yeah. Which is it's sort of uh, on the docks mm. um, in Hull. Yeah. Just south just below princess key um sort of thing so, it's a good drop yeah, but... machine i went there i went to the uh, the brewery tap room with lee um last year so yeah i was i was sat here working very jealous but yeah you've had a you've had a better start to the podcast than me i was sat here and i'm done if probably put the outtake in but completely blanked on how i do the intro every week so i'm uh, i'm off to a good one it's uh, it's going well i've got to put in now don't i nah not really i'm uh, I don't mind. I'm not easily embarrassed, but I'm, I'm excited this week. We've got a uh, we've got a guest back with us for the first time in far too long, and lucky for you, it won't be another four or five hour epic on MJF. We've got Lauren back. How are you, Lauren? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I like that you promise it won't be on MJF. I really wouldn't put your guarantee on that it won't be four or five hours. Well, yeah, but I'm <laughs> I'm going through a phase where I'm staying relatively sober, so I won't be as uh, won't be as easily distracted. Unlike uh, the unlike the pre-record, <laughs> it's great to have you back on, and we're delving into an era where you weren't actually watching wrestling because uh, we're looking at the last episode of season one of Game Show NXT, uh, and you were on hiatus at that point. I was because I started university in two thousand and seven, and. As an poor university student, Sky was not something I could afford. Yeah. So I kind of, because I moved away from home to go to university, so kind of fell off the wrestling train. And then when I went to Northumbria to do my master's, I ended up friends with a lot of people who watched wrestling and who brought me back into the fold. So that was 2012, 2013. So this is the entire era that I missed a lot of yeah we, i've got a very interesting uh, series of messages as, as lauren had this particular delve into the void in her wrestling knowledge it was it was quite amusing suffice to say you're going to have uh, some pretty amusing thoughts on what was going on well you will also have and this is the thing that i said last night in one of my messages to dan as we all know my husband andy has been on before talking about lucha yeah. underground 
Andy is currently not at home this weekend because he's off being a Warhammer nerd as opposed to a wrestling nerd. But to liven up the podcast, he watched the episode with me. And so when I'm giving my opinion, there will also be Andy Dendums. I am not sorry. I am not (laughs) sorry. Oh, that took me a second. There you go. I like that you laughed at it and then stopped it being like, no, Dan, we don't do that. (laughs) But yes, I have some of his opinions written down. Some of them cannot be voiced on a podcast, but the ones that I can, I will share. I heard one of them and I'll tell Rob off air. (laughs) I was going to say, when we go on a break, do please tell Rob that one. I think he'll enjoy it. <laughs> last week, uh, last week we covered the uh, the final episode of Wrestlelicious, and Rob would watch the whole season. Uh, this time it's my turn. I've actually put myself through watching the entire season of uh, first season of, N- of NXT, and I'm going to let you into a little secret. I actually quite like it, so I'll do a bit of a rundown. But before we get into any of that, is anybody having an adult beverage tonight? I am not having an adult beverage. I am leaning into my status as confirmed by Mr. Daniel Griffin of being a basic white bitch. And I bought myself a bubble tea on the way home from work today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All it needs needs is pumpkin spice. Right. Thou shalt not slander me in this way. And it is recorded. So, like, please, the legal action will be coming. Pumpkin spice is disgusting. Fair enough. I go into the office every other Friday and just to finish off the week, I really like bubble tea. So I tend to buy myself one on the way home, but I actually kept it so I could enjoy it during the podcast. Oh, fair enough. Mm. Uh, it's that first bubble tea on the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> Unless people have been bubble teaing and not telling us. <laughs> I would put yeah, that-, that Nash has absolutely. Yeah. Nash, Nash does like to stealth bubble tea. I don't know. He makes us watch him on his shares long. <laughs> oh, Lord. As he reclines like Jeff Goldblum. Oh, you ruined so much of my, like, adolescent awakening with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Pig's Blood has created it. I just put it forward you into the world. You recorded the damn podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Rob, are you having a beer, mate? Yes, I certainly am. So I'm starting off with Pucker, which is an oatmeal stout at 4.5% from Tartarus Beers. And actually, I mean, Tartarus do specialise in high percentage beers. Uh, Obviously, this is only 4.5, but it doesn't lose any of the flavour for it. And uh, for that reason, being a sessionable ale that, you know, it tastes really great, I'm giving this one 5 out of 5. Nice. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I've had uh, I've had poker myself, and it is bloody lovely. Yeah, it really is. So I'm really happy with that one. And uh, if you want to get 15% off Tartarus Beers, you can go to tartarusbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTT Podcast 15 and get 15% off. You can indeed. It's bloody brilliant. Full range <laughs> is fantastic, and I'll be coming to Tartarus on my recommendation. Spoiler alert. Uh, have you got anything lined up for afters? Yeah, so after that, I'm on to Fierce Brewery's Thomas Street Dunkel, which is a Dunkelweizen at 5%. And then I have a Seven Brothers um, Starbo Stout, which describes itself as roasty, rich, and smooth. Get that on your plenty of fish, Dan. And uh, that's 5%. <laughs> oh, look what you've done, you've broken, Lauren. I don't know if she's laughing at the the phrase itself or the concept of me like online dating. 
I'm just more like, dear God, I think plenty of fish was around when I was online dating. And like, small shout out to the world. The other day, Andy and I celebrated 10 years together. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. So, yeah, Plenty of Fish was an absolute throwback. (laughs) I was not expecting it at that moment. Well, so did you actually meet on Plenty of Fish? Is this a recommendation for the... No, I met Andy, (laughs) which Dan has heard this story. I met Andy after a night out when we all went to McDonald's for, you know, road nuggets for walking home. This man climbed onto a table, for some reason shouted, Yo soy el capitan, and then fell off the table. When I then spoke to him the next day, he informed me he doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> How that's not good. And that's the moment you thought he'll do. <laughs> Pretty much, I was like, well, this is, it's not getting better than this. But true romances of the 21st century, when we actually got together, we got together because I'd gotten mad at him about something, stormed off. He came outside the club, turned me around and went, I love you, you fucking idiot. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. how we I, 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 got together. That, that seems in character for Andy. Yeah. <laughs> well, to the podcast world, Dan has now met Andy because after the last show, he, North show, he stayed at my house. Yeah. So he has much more sympathy for that poor boy than he did when he appeared on the podcast episode not that long ago. I impressed slash traumatised the both of you by uh, by making you watch DDT. Which I am still watching, and I blame you for because it's <laughs> that bad. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to get into what I'm drinking before we veer any further off course. I'm continuing my way through the uh, the Beer Fifty Two Siren box. Uh, so first up is Divisible Invisible, which is a 3.4% session ale. Uh, that's uh, a collaboration with Arbor Brewery. It's a session ale, so it's fine. It's, it's better than being sober. Uh, next up is a collaboration with White Hag, which is Crunchy Town, and it's a brown ale at 4.2%. And after that, we've got a collaboration with Burnt Mill Brewery, and it's Buried Shadow, and that is a black IPA. So... Stay away again, because um, I'm still on my... Oh, well, I'll say still. It's been a while. I've just done the first week of my operation, Don't Die Before 40, um, where I'm trying to drop a bit of weight and whatnot, so can't be going too mad. Well, well please don't, Dan. We've, 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 got, we've got guests booked in. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is the mark of a true friendship, is just... No, because that will inconvenience me. Oh, I've got a funeral as well. I mean, it's never ending, isn't it? I don't think we could have a funeral because I think if, like, they tried to cremate his course, there would be an alcohol-induced fire. Well, if we get him on a bike and fire an arrow at him, it's fine. Uh, it'd, have to be, it'd have to be a Viking wide boat as well. Um, uh, did you ever see that? Did you ever see Bo Selector when uh, they did uh, Michael Jackson at uh, Barry White's funeral? Or scattering Barry White's ashes and then about seven urns. Uh, I like. I didn't see it, but I like the idea of that. Yeah. Anyway, enough about my impending device. <laughs> Not brought on by me for once. Give it. Give it six months. Oh no! I was going to say your body's doing the job for me, like Gigi. Yeah. yeah fair enough. While we're, while we're sort of loosely on the subject of alcohol, uh, Lauren, what would you recommend people drink whilst watching this episode of NXT? Bleach. 
Not our first recommendation for Bleach. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I would recommend something. Probably, I'm I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Probably something like one of the IPAs from Anarchy, where North Wrestling is held. Just for the fact that from you and Andy's description, they're very smooth. They go down very easily, and you're going to need at least five for what you're about to watch. Get yourself a nice pint of pale driver or ten. We actually found three shops in Newcastle that sell pale driver, which was quite cool. I like that. Wrestling and beer, what a perfect mix. Additional pizza from outside, too. Never a bad thing. Mm, pizza. Uh, yeah. Rob, what, what would you recommend? I've gone for something that's close to beat and bleach in terms of its percentage. I've gone for uh, the final chapter because it's the final episode of season one of NXT, and it's um, Brew York's fifteen um, percent Imperial Double Milk Stout. It's a collab with Emperor Brewery. Uh, it's very nice for bleach. I gave it four point two five out of five on Untapped. Lovely stuff. Sounds right up my street. I can't remember if I've ever had that one. Yeah, it was from the was it Friday the Thirteenth box set. Um, oh, I definitely, definitely have then. Yeah. yeah. Love those. Um, I've gone the high percentage route as well. I promised you Tartarus, so I'm recommending their Huay Chivo Mexican Imperial Hot Chocolate Stout at 11.3%. Uh, I gave it 5 out of 5 because it's bloody delicious. I have a hazelnut praline stout, which is called the purple one after Quality Street because it's hazel- oh, hazelnut caramel and chocolate, and I'm quite excited to try it. Yeah, as a recall, it's not half bad. Excellent. I will let you know. Brilliant. So we are diving into the final episode of NXT, first of the, the final episode of the first season of NXT, I should say. Uh, just a little bit of background. Uh, this episode was broadcast on Sci-Fi on the 1st of June 2010 from the American Airlines Center in Dallas. And up to this point, this is week 15. And we've had... Just on that Dallas thing, Dan, I, I have been searching high and low for some wrestling reference to uh, the, the soap opera Dallas. You know, the, the greatest heel in the history of television, J.R.U., and we need to get in with some wrestlers, but I don't think it ever happened, and I'm gutted. <laughs> that is a massive shame. I've never actually watched an episode of Dallas. I don't what know. did oh, you do during the day when you were a student? Drank. I was, I was going to say, I watched Dallas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I also watched Dallas because it was on Channel 5. <laughs> and that was not on Sky, so I could, in fact, afford to watch it. No, well. Uh, but, yeah, up to this point, we've had five eliminations from the show. In week 12, uh, we had two eliminations by WWE management, who were Michael Tarver and Daniel Bryan, uh, both of whom had said the week before that they felt that they deserved to be eliminated, so... The WWE management said, fuckity bye to you then. And the pros poll eliminated Skip Sheffield. Uh, week 13, Darren Young went. And the week before this, Heath Slater went. So we're left with Justin Gabriel, David Otunga and Wade Barrett, uh, managed by Matt Hardy, R-Truth and Jer- Chris Jericho, respectively. They play um, a bit of this, um, well, you know, the clips of when people get uh, eliminated through the start of the show, don't they? Uh, with, uh, you know, Michael Tarver and stuff. So- 
And it, it's like on The Apprentice when uh, whoever's been eliminated is in the taxi at the end of it. And they're always like some snarky thing about you wait and see. Well, I am in ten years. Lord Sugar will regret firing me. <laughs> and I just thought most of these people's eliminations, they could have just put Lord Sugar will regret firing me at the end of. Well, it's the so, fact on this episode as well. They just trot them all out to sit at ringside and look annoyed. So the first Andy Dendum of this one is that perfectly tied into Rob's thing there, because when it was. So just watch where I'll be in 10 years' time. As they scrolled through the wrestlers at ringside, I cannot remember the guy's name, but it was the first one to be eliminated. Michael Tarver. Yes. As they scrolled along and he was wondering, he was like, I wonder what, like, I wonder what would happen if they did, where will they be in 10 years' time? Prison. He'll be in prison. <laughs> when he saw Michael Tarver. <laughs> And he was like, please include that in the podcast. I was like, I will. Well, just as it happens, I meant to do this last night, but I'm actually looking up where Michael Tarver is now. If he's in prison, cut this entire section because that man needs no more gloating power. Not that he'll ever listen to it. He claims that he hears too much of my voice anyway. It looks like he retired in 2018. Because he went to prison. No, after a stint in the Great Carly's Continental Wrestling Entertainment. Oofed. He, he did is... tell a story to the Metro about Harry Smith pooing himself after a match with Wade Barrett. <laughs> uh, Michael oh. Sarver in 2014 actually had a little run in uh, New Japan. Did he? Yeah. I apparently don't pay attention to anything. Did, did he release a single? No, not as far as I'm aware. So it's no Bob Sapp then, is it? Oh, wait, hang on. No, uh, he is. He, he's actually a musician. Uh, he's a Christian hip-hop artist and, under the name Monster Tarver. And oh, right. He, and he released his debut single last year. <laughs> so, so a poor man's Bob Sapp. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I have so many opinions about everything that's just been said in that sentence. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, what? Anyway, so that's that's where Michael Tarver is now. If anybody was uh, was desperate to know, the pros poll concept was interesting. You know, obviously having the uh, having the pros judge the rookies and, and rank them, you know, by effectively by you know unanimous decision and tallying the votes and whatever. Interesting. Daniel Bryan was ranked top of the first pros poll on week six, uh, but what by week twelve he was gone because he went on a, a ten and zero uh, losing streak. So, it, but it's kind of one of the things I, I loved about this is that they, they actually did give everybody sort of a fair bit to do and an and insight into the characters, even the ones that that didn't have much screen time compared to this, like Skip Sheffield. At least he had his, you know, his odd couple routine with William Regal. It's just that nobody was particularly interested in it, apart from me. Thirteen years later, uh, well, Skip Sheffield is weird. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh. yeah, the le- yeah, the less said about him now, the better. Talking about where are they now? <laughs> well, my yeah. favourite comment was obviously seeing Heath Slater as part of this because I had no idea who was in like this rookie group before I started watching it. Oh, and yeah. as I turned it on, I was like, "Oh, there's Heath Slater. I wonder if he has kids at this point." And then, obviously, it scanned to them later. I was like, "He does." He's quite clearly a soccer mom. He's got kids because the haircut for Heath Slater was not working in those days. <laughs> the, uh, the 90s curtains. 
oh, it's the 90s curtains in 2010, man. Like, I know he's from, like, Hickville, USA, but there's really no excuse. Yeah, but there we go. Shane likes it was just interesting that Daniel Bryan was top at the top of the rankings and then eliminated by week 12, uh, by which point the uh, the first pros poll on week 12 uh, was ranked bottom to top. Skip Sheffield, ranked six, obviously, he was eliminated the same week as Bryan and Tarver. Then Darren Young, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, David Otunga and Wade Barrett. Like I said, by the time we've whittled down here, we've got Barrett, Otunga and Gabriel, who were one, two and three in week 14. So getting into it, um, the one sort of downside of watching the whole season of of NXT was I actually got Stockholm syndrome into not being as bothered by Wild and Young by American Bang. I still think it's a bit of a shit song, but I can tolerate it now. 1.3 million listens on Spotify. <laughs> Great. He's, he's had it on repeat since 2010. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> and actually going into this, Justin Gabriel had the best um, the best winning record on the show. Uh, he was uh, he was seven and three going into this weekend, and I think the one thing that came across on the on the graphic, or maybe just I've watched everything, like I said before, is just how much sort of the put into almost every character. I don't know what you guys got from the uh, from the opening. It seemed like a bit of a decent, I don't know, summation of the series. You, I guess you could just watch the last episode and not necessarily need to know too much of what was going on. You know, if you, if you came along. I'm just interested from you watch through the series. Did anyone uh, marry anyone uh, because they're about to be departed on the no. show? Oh, well, you wait till season four, Dan. Oh, God. <laughs> Is that good? Was that, that was Goldust and Aksana, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. Oh, Goldust. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <sighs> so what about for you, Lauren? Did the, uh, did the opening video fill in the blanks? It was strange because obviously I knew a lot of these people like spoiler alert podcast universe I know Justin Gabriel as PJ Black yeah like that's what I know him more as I was like he looks familiar why does he look familiar but the dare, the dare wolf himself I know but it gave it gave me a background into why they'd been picked why each of them was part of it how they'd built the character like they gave the initial of he was daniel bryan at this time wasn't he yes he was at no point in my life am i ever going to call him by the right name in the right promotion just (laughs) accept that but they gave me the full thing of he wanted to do it but he also didn't want to do it he like to me, it was conflicted. Skip Sheffield didn't care. I didn't care about him. It was a lovely entente. But I don't know the back, like the fact that they gave them a bit of character as well. It wasn't just mm. a here are our rookies. They each got given that little bit to shine, and I liked it. Well, they definitely did. Um, week to week, they ran sort of vignettes on on each person. You know who they were, why they were there, um, and then you know a little bit more background on them each time. You know, even Tarver who had the second worst winning, you know, win ratio on the show. A lot was made of his sort of hardship in his life and his sort of disdain for the game show aspect of the show. It's like he wanted the opportunity, but he didn't want to play by rules he sort of deemed beneath him. Yeah. And that, and that ultimately cost him. And then he was always at odds with uh, with his pro as well. Uh, with, uh, with It was Carlito was his pro, funnily enough. 
And then you've got like Skip Sheffield had his odd couple thing with William with with William Regal. Easy easy for me to say. Um, uh, that only really lasted a couple of weeks, and then he was just kind of the big weirdo that trotted out for a few matches here and there. By the time he went, he, <laughs> Skip Sheffield was two and five. Uh, oh so, wow! Yeah, I mean it got better for him. But like Darren Young, who was the you know who was the next man eliminated, he had he had CM Punk as his pro, had the Straight Edge Society with him, and, and Punk was trying to. Darren Young was supposed to be like a bit of a you know a bit of a party dude, and Punk's trying to bring him round to straight edge, and in equal parts having Gallows and Serena Deeb cheating to help him win, but then also costing matches as well just to fuck with his head. I have opinions about that later as well. <laughs> and then Heath Slater was kind of a bit of a goof, wasn't really taking it seriously, but they always put over his talent, and he even went over Chris Jericho at one point. Uh, that was the thing that I got from the opening where it's like Heath Slater's beat Chris Jericho. I was like, the only time that's ever been said. Yeah. <laughs> well, Heath Slater's pro was Christian as well. So Christian was always about like trying to bring, trying to get him to take it seriously and bring him, you know, bring out the best in him. Um, you had a Tunga who made a big thing of the celebrity aspect. Yeah. Because I'm married to Jennifer Hudson and, and Harvard education, but had all the charisma. That's what they had going down. I mean. Something just made so much more sense. What? There was a sign in the crowd that said, I'd rather be body slammed by Jennifer Hudson. I mean, I'd rather see Jennifer yeah. Hudson wrestle as well. Or something like that, yeah. yeah. That now makes so much more sense. I was like, um, good for you? Yeah. Like, proud of you for at least stating what you want to the universe but if he's married to her that makes a lot of sense okay good yeah, that's the you one talk. <laughs> um, then Wade Barrett came in and was basically just him and Jericho was was so perfectly suited as just a pair of bastards mm. just just brilliantly suited and Barrett was a you know sort of a cut above every, almost everybody in terms of being like the the all-round package if you like you know to yeah. look ring work mic skills etc but but Daniel Bryan, even though he went zero and ten, he had the Miz as his pro, and his feud with the Miz would run on and off for years, like right, right through into his Bryan's retirement and and being the SmackDown general manager and all of that. He had an ongoing feud in the show with Michael Cole. He was, like I said before, he was top ranked in the ring, but he was the first eliminated. There was a lot of effort that went into this, and what makes it depressing is how often that get like only sort of a smattering of polite reaction because I think this was filmed before Smackdown Just on the Miz there, and I know we've uh, joked about this in uh, the DMs when we've been organising future episodes, I've watched the first episode of The Real World Returns to New York where Miz makes his TV debut and we have to fucking cover it <laughs> Oh we're doing it <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> we're going to do it I think one of the things about the early seasons of NXT was the uh, the challenges were uh, were a mixed bag, shall we say? Like the Rock'em Sock'em Rookies was good, where it was basically like you know with the, the gladiator style like combat sticks, you know, just like stood on a podium and get knocked. The into oversized a... cotton bods. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was looking for. Pugil sticks. Pugil sticks. That's it. And, and the obstacle courses were good fun. Like they had one where they had to do some monkey bars, climb a ladder, ring a bell then run down the ramp and up the stairs into to one of the concession stands, down a huge thing of soda, run back to the ring, juggle for a bit, do like, you know, put the forehead on a baseball bat, spin around it, and then try and push a, a one of the cases on wheels up the ramp. Why does it sound like 
Why do they sound like they're trying to get into an American sorority? Because that's kind of what it was. That's fair. Oh, Jesus Christ, don't let wrestlers lose in the sorority. There's enough oh, no. black mm. industry. Oh, God. It wouldn't be me too. It would be absolutely all of us too. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Uh, but for every, you know, for every one of those decent challenges, you had something like the selling the programs to see who could make the most money, and that was shit. That does sound shit. Yeah, but this video package, like I say, I think it summed it up pretty well, and they got Pyro, which was nice. I, I do like that program selling because I was saying about people getting eliminated, being like the apprentice. That's actually an apprentice task. <laughs> uh, Daniel, in fact, in that one, the only funny bit was Daniel Bryan, where he said, uh, where he's just like. We just refused to participate in capitalism, just like throwing the programs into the audience. I've just remembered, Dan, there is an episode of Celebrity Apprentice USA that Vince McMahon is one of the um, guest uh, observers on. Oh, don't, don't we, I can't cover something with both Vince and Trump on. It's got David Hyde Pierce from Fraser as well. Okay, maybe. Uh. <laughs> Niles might sway me. Uh, I think the series Gene Simmons on, so there's more tie-ins. Oh, God. Does he have Dale Torborg with him as an indentured servant because WCW fucked him over? Oh, it'd be brilliant if he did. Oh, well, we've got to watch that. That, that, just, that just came to mind. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm going to end up caving eventually, so I may as well save myself the time. Uh, <laughs> so we open up, uh, Matt Stryker says he's going to introduce the rookies and then doesn't uh, he introduces the eliminated rookies at ringside who all look suitably pissed off and i quite like this because every time they went back to them there was like why are we here why why do we have to be here the, the thing i love about it they went through the line of them uh, you know in announcing the names and they went darren young and he sort of sat forward a bit and put his finger up and i think he thought the rest of them were supposed to be doing it and he left his finger up and they did Heath Slater and after Darren had left it up for ages Heath Slater put his up just to take the piss out of him i didn't even notice that neither did i brilliant. Darren Young's looking around and no one's doing it. and as soon as he put his finger down Slater with a grin on his face puts his finger up <laughs> so you reckon they were ribbing him then yeah oh fair Amazing. enough um, Heath Slater was the only one who tried to muster a smile as well, but now that you've said that, Rob, maybe he was just laughing at Darren Young. Yeah, yeah, I think mean, that's the only thing he was smiling about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't uh, think it was that he got a night off babysitting duties. So he was just happy to be there. <laughs> and I outwitted <have> wide. <laughs> Striker then introduces the pros one by one. We've got Chris Jericho, The Miz, Matt Hardy, R Truth. William Regal, Christian, and CM Punk, who's masked up after losing his hair against Rey Mysterio over the limit, which I'd completely forgotten was a thing, but it was. Um, so actually, I'm going to ask you this now then, Lauren, unless you had a particular point you wanted to bring in. What what thoughts did you have on the Straight Edge Society? It's absolute bollocks to it. <laughs> but, so I'm glad, to, I'm glad to see that you're aligned with what we thought at the time. It was more that they came out and Gallows looked like one of those men who thinks he could still like go in a fight, but actually very few of his body parts still work. <laughs> and Serena Deeb, I didn't even recognize that it was Serena Deeb. Yeah. Like, I was just like, what is this shaved head thing? 
Well, as a message to you, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the only reason, or one of the very few reasons that she got called up was uh, she wasn't necessarily TV ready, but she was the only woman on the uh, the main roster or developmental roster who was willing to shave the head. So they oh. went, yeah, cool, that'll do. They apparently approached a few of the uh, few of the female wrestlers and they just didn't want to shave their heads. It's just more that I'm like, okay, I appreciate like the depths that Serena's willing to devote to her craft, but also, did anyone even remember that it was her? Like, was it worth it? I remembered. That's fair. <laughs> but I, but are you representative of humanity? I never have been before now, so I don't know why this I, is I was the, make it. I was there thinking that Paige Webb off WrestleLicious has shaved her head. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> this was about the time that of WrestleLicious as well, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, it was indeed. And the photos come out this week of CM Punk and Serena together. So, AEW collision. Come on, Tony Khan, sort, sort it out. Tell us if Dark Elevation's been cancelled so we can cover the final episode. Tell us if Dark Elevation's WrestleLicious if Page Webb's on it. Um, <laughs> what, what you were saying there, Lauren, about uh, Luke Gallows looks like someone who can win a fight, just remember, it reminded me of that survey that they did with what um, percentage of Americans think they can uh, win in a fight against certain animals. Uh. Like 8% of Americans think they could win in a fight against an elephant. <laughs> God. Okay, so that's eight percent less Americans on the planet. Not mad about it. No. Yeah. So <laughs> on, on that slightly genocidal note, uh, um, back to Striker in the ring. He's talking up the uh, the fact that there are two, the last two other nations tonight. It's double the scrutiny, pressures increasing, and there's an, a triple threat match tonight. Uh, in fact, it's coming up next, but what he doesn't tell us, or at least I didn't notice until partway through the match, is that it's an elimination triple threat match. But before that, we get an intro video for the first the, the first season two rookie, and it's Husky yeah. Harris. Now, Dan, in all fairness, when, when they introduce... Oh, did, we, did we not get a pro for Husky Harris? We did right at the end of the video. Oh, right, okay. No, well, you carry on, and then I'll come to my point in a minute. So Husky Harris, is the, it's a very short video. I think these are no longer than 30 seconds each. But he bigs up being third generation after his grandfather, Blackjack Mulligan, and his father, Mike Rotunda, IRS. And he's just waiting to be let off the leash. It's the, uh, the, uh, the, the artist that would become Bray Wyatt, Husky Harris. And his pro is Cody Rhodes. And every time we see a pro on this show, they're stood next to a TV in what I can only assume is satellite base. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> so, we're in satellite base, Dan. Drink. I'm not supposed to be getting pissed. All right. Mark that down, folks. That's the first time you'll hear me say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we get that, and then it cuts to a break, and then we're back, and we're, we're with the second pro of season two, and it's John Morrison. Drink. Uh, fuck off. <laughs> Didn't didn't know that John Morrison had even been in WWE, so I was like, wait, hang on, what? And oh, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I it, think it he's was, been everywhere. He, he'd been in WWE for a number of years at this point because he'd, um, he'd had his M&M run with Joey Mercury and Molina when he was Johnny Nitro. Because he was Eric Bischoff's assistant. He was Eric Bischoff's assistant, yeah. 
So, yeah, but he's introduced in his rookie and he says he compares him to a redwood tree. He's tall and hard to talk to, which is, um, you know, a great setup for a new talent coming in. And it's Eli Cottonwood. He says he's going to show him how to burn the forest down. It's like he's going to teach him to commit arson. <laughs> I forgot to note that bit down. Yeah. So Eli Cottonwood, he's, he's a legit seven foot one. He wants to inflict pain and carnage as well as win NXT. And his whole thing is that he's a little bit weird as well. And the only thing I remember of season two and Eli Cottonwood is him getting given the given the challenge to cut a promo about mustaches and then talking about how stupid their mustaches are and then saying, I have a mustache. Uh, Excellent work. Yeah, it didn't go very well. And Eli Cottonwood is another one where I don't know where he is now. I might look it up when we do the if we well, when we get to the uh, the finale of season two. Do, do you remember owns, that? Um, he owns a yoga studio called Kip's Flip because oh, his real on. name is Kip. It's very upsetting. Enough. I looked this up last night because I was like, "Who dat?" <laughs> <laughs> you, went, you went on his LinkedIn. <laughs> Oh, I just typed in Eli Cottonwood. It was like, Eli Cottonwood was a wrestler who was involved in that. And that was it. He now co-owns Florida Hardcore Wrestling, apparently. That's upsetting. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah, that that was uh, Eli Cottonwood. Did anyone else feel like this was the most American pandering that ever occurred because we were 25 minutes in and I don't think a match had started yet. We'd had two adverts for the next season. We'd had various pandering to pros and so forth. There had been no actual wrestling, but we were 25 minutes in. There's a lot of time wasting on this show. Got that. Yeah. Which is not in keeping with the season at all because you've at least got two matches per show. But obviously they're down to the down to the last three. So they could only do so much, but they could have they could have brought a couple of the pros into our matches or you know anything like that. Um Robin Tournament. They could have had a you know beat the clock challenge or something. You know yeah. rookie you know, rookies versus pros who can last the longest against the pro or something like that. Like you said, Dan, that's what I actually expected to be the decider was that each of the rookies would face their pro because it would be, oh, we'll see how you are up against a real wrestler. Mm. And then Chris Jericho came out in a suit and I was like, well, he's not wrestling. They did have uh, the rookies and the pros in matches, uh, either singles or, or tags. One of the uh, the major first matches, in fact, one of the very first matches was uh, Chris Jericho versus Daniel Bryan on the first episode. And Bryan took a disgusting bump off a dive to the outside. Um, he went sort of spine first over the edge of the announce table. Yeah, was, I remember uh, that. It was, yeah, it, was, it was not pleasant to watch. Even 13 years later, I knew it was coming. I was just like, you just look at it every time and wins. But yeah, so they did do the rookies and pros stuff. But I'm, I'm with you guys, really. I think I, I like the idea of the elimination triple threat match. But it does feel very much like they dropped the ball and just thought, fuck it, we'll have a load of filler and, and basically be an extended advert for season two. Um, yeah. Even throughout the match, you know, the hyping about the about season two and fans get 50% of the vote on WWE.com and stuff like that. But I actually really like the way this triple threat match came together. You know, Justin Gabriel against two heels. 
I thought he showed a lot of, a lot of decent fire and you know, he was there to do the big sort of athletic flippy spots while the other two you know big bastards just tried to either kick the shit out of each other or kick the shit out of him I don't know how you guys felt about the match uh, Lauren so during the match and you might be able to explain this Dan because I wasn't sure if the scoring and stuff that was done I wasn't sure if it was like on dominance or skill because if it was an elimination match why would Wade Barrett pull Justin Gabriel off Ortonga if someone was going to get eliminated anyway like a triple threat and him breaking the pin but it didn't make sense unless they're being scored on their dominance and their skill so the pros pull criteria were never were never formally discussed i would have much preferred it if it was like robot wars and it was style control damage and aggression um, <laughs> but none of that sort of factored in there was a bit earlier in the match when barrett was thrown to the outside and Jericho seemed to be telling him to stay out and let the other two fight. So I think it was just about who won the match overall, rather than, you know, because there was no need for Barrett to get back in and start wrestling them both if he didn't need to, but he ignores him and gets back in the ring. So so yeah. clearly Jericho was saying just, you know, let, let one of them eliminate the other one and then you can get involved. But one of the things that was discussed throughout the season, when whenever they asked pros, you know, what um, what you're looking for in the next breakout star for WWE, the in-ring results was a, was only part of it. They were looking for somebody who could, you know, who could work, who could work a mic cut a promo, somebody who had the so-called it factor and 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 bits and pieces like that. So the the in-ring stuff was only part of it. Uh, Jericho, I think, more than some of the other pros, put a lot of star by wins and losses. So he was always trying to find a way to help his man win it. And Barrett himself made a lot of made a big deal throughout the series about wanting the winner's purse and, and just and being there to maximise his earnings essentially. So I don't know if they got paid, you know, paid extra for the win. Uh, but there we are. Like I said, it was never really, never really mentioned. I think the whole thing of Barrett pulling out, pulling Gabriel out, not pulling out Gabriel, pulling Gabriel out of the ring um, was. I yeah, it was, uh, just, was just for Barrett to be a bit of a twat, because he's a heel. I don't think much more thought got put behind it other than that. So that's all I got. <laughs> mm. But yeah, Gabriel, I thought Gabriel looked good in this match. Otunga was Otunga, who was, he wasn't terrible, he wasn't brilliant. He was, he was there, he had a couple of nice power moves. For some reason I popped when Gabriel hit an STO just because I can't remember the last time I saw an STO in a match. Christopher Daniels' staple, weren't they? But, yeah, maybe they're not as popular these days. I can't remember the last time I saw a Christopher Daniels' match. <laughs> oh, you were on uh, Dynamite this week. Oh, OK. You don't watch Dynamite, so... <laughs> no, no. I'm, uh, <laughs> as far as modern wrestling goes, there's uh, there's rumours that people are dreaming and about impact and... I've seen a lot of rumours about Trinity Fatu um, uh, showing up, and now there's reports that Mercedes Money is in Chicago ahead of the uh, the tapings in the next two nights. Somehow, I don't think Impact can afford them, but we'll see. Unless Tank Abbott's bought it, <laughs> he's dug up some of his driveway. But yeah, I'd like to say I thought this match was decent enough. It was a good showing for Barrett, who got both. Uh, he got both pins, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he. Uh... Pins at Unger and then, yeah. They got the knees up on the 450 off, uh, 
uh, from Gabriel, Gabriel didn't he? And I, actually, I thought it was a great. It was a really good sell from Gabriel. But yeah, like any overall thoughts from you, Rob, on the match? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was all right, but um, <laughs> we waited for it, didn't we? <laughs> you know, and it was a bit weird. And um, yeah, the, the commentary seemed more bothered about tons about David uh, Otunga's haircut than uh, and more in season two. Yeah, it's it, it's an annoying sort of lacklustre end to season two, and I'll come on to we'll, we'll come on to something else that both amused and annoyed me later on. Did you have anything else on the match, Lauren, or shall we shift on? Shift on, probably. I'm I getting the feeling that you're really thrilled by watching this. Oh, it was... Cannot... Cannot... Contain my excitement. <laughs> so you must have been like on, on tenter hooks and on the edge of your seat when Stryker asked the pros to huddle up and cast the votes for the first pros poll. My God. The excitement. I did enjoy the fact that R-Truth was already setting his character because they said huddle up and he kind of walked around like a headless chicken for about 10 seconds. The, 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 the new United States champion, R-Truth. Yeah, I was like, oh God, he was actually a legit wrestler then. He defeated the Miz for it, yeah. In, uh, it was after Bret Hart vacated it. Yeah, that that's a whole ass mood. Yeah. Uh, but coming out of the break, we've got uh, MVP, who's who, apart from his haircut, looks virtually no different. Uh, Introduced yeah. his rookie, who... Where, where is he, Dan? Satellite base. Drink. Oh, that's quite nice, that siren brown hill. Sorry, that's the first mouthful I've had of it. <laughs> he's introduced his, uh, his rookie, who likes to party, but needs to show some dedication and heart, and he's introducing Percy Watson. Uh, he introduced himself as the entertainer of all entertainers. Uh, were you getting that vibe off Percy Watson, Lauren? Ah, oh, 2010, you were a much different place. Percy Watson, even back then, came across as far too try-hard. Yeah. And then we got him back later on as an NXT commentator. Oh, God, yeah, we did, didn't we? Speaking of commentators, which season was it where Byron Saxton came into NXT? I think that'd be season three. Yeah, that's about right. He, yeah, I, I always forget he was a rookie on NXT as well. Yeah, but the next uh, the next bit is Zack Ryder introducing his pro, uh, bigging up how he's team. Zack Ryder. He's in satellite base. Drink. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So Zack Ryder's introducing his rookie, and he's gonna he's bigging up how he's gonna teach him how to dress and pick up girls. And, and, and this is a move that I know offended Lauren to a very core. Zack Ryder is mentoring Titus O'Neil. I have slapped my leg in anguish. Like, <laughs> Did you just what? kick out? <laughs> uh, t- uh, so, Zack Ryder, Zack fucking Ryder, is responsible for the greatest moment in wrestling history. Indirectly. I am not okay with that. I don't need to be okay with that. Dan, I could have lived the rest of my life without knowing that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, we're we're talking about Titus World Slide, right? Of course. Also, realised that Titus was on season two and Darren Young was on season one and they became Titus Worldwide. Primetime players. Primetime players, that was... We were both like the ball boys. Titus O'Neil also tagged with Heath Slater in Slater Gator. 
He did. I did. Yeah. I knew that one, and I loved that one. <laughs> oh, bless him. Do you think Titus O'Neil was called the Florida Gator because of his love of gator golf? Is Hang on, is that you doing an whole joke, or is... Like, oh, do you not know why he's called that? No, Rob was asking me a question because we're covering the uh, the being the elite gator golf tournament. It's just I had to, I had to mute, oh. my mic to, I, I had to mute my mic due to the through traffic. I would love to see Titus O'Neil play gator golf with Heath Slate. <sighs> First and foremost, I think if they caught an alligator, Heath Slater would try to fry it and eat it. Alligator's tasty. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Have you actually had it? Yes. Right, then I have more questions than before. It's in Florida. I'm more well, the, thinking the one... I'm more thinking is that why your health is snapping. Ah. Right, I'm out. Nothing. I'm gone. <laughs> I like that that's the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> the one that they use on being the elite's made of plastic. Much much more like my next heart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the good news is, after that video package, we're back in the ring with Matt Stryker again. He was uh, working for his money tonight. Uh, he's got the rookies in the ring for the first elimination. But first off, just, he wants to talk to the pissed-off rookies at ringside. And this was this was just a treat, wasn't it? Yeah, Ma- Michael Tavra, I am the product. I would choose, I would choose me. It's like, yeah. well, of course you'd fucking choose you, Michael Tavra. <laughs> You know, other people that problem. After he said that, I was like, not how this works, but okay. Yeah. Let's just get him sat back down. I did like uh, Daniel Bryan's logic. Uh, logic. Otunga can't wrestle, Gabriel can't talk, so Wade Barrett should win. Yeah. But, uh, this is the only time I'll say this about Skip Sheffield. I related most to Skip Sheffield, who stood up and just went, I don't care. It's not that I don't care about the show, just in his position, I'd feel the same. Well, I, I was once listening to an episode of um, Jason Powell's Pro Wrestling Boom, and it was like, uh, and now on to uh, what happened on this week's 205. Who even gives a crap? <laughs> <laughs> you, Rob, you gave a crap. Oh, but I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Young's up next and he's, he's asked who should win and why. And he says, Wade Barrett is he's built for it mentally and physically and will prove all these Dallas haters wrong. Now, the thing with this is he was doing it to try and be a heel and get heat. Up until this point, Darren Young has not been a heel. Maybe he's talking about the soap Dallas. And if he hates the soap Dallas, then, then, then well, he's mucking his ticket with me. Cliff Barnes was a much better heel than Darren Young will ever be. More references I don't understand. Uh. And then Heath Slater, just general nice guy, has been in the ring with all of them. But Barrett proved it tonight. It's obvious. What did What did you think of the uh, the promo abilities, Lauren? Well, I was very distracted by the fact that Otunga had a vajazzle on the back of his head. Commentary <laughs> said that cost him two hundred ninety five dollars. Some people have more money than sense, but yeah. A tongue, a tongue's wife. <laughs> the man had a jazzle on the back of his head, and I was like, "There is no planet on which I am going to take you seriously." Do you think he knows Marty's sister, Dan? <laughs> Old silver slipper. What did I call her? Gucci, Gucci. <laughs> oh. 
Well, she got a design of vagina. That is a bad Dan. Got a laugh. Uh, on, a, on a different podcast. <laughs> so we're back in the ring for the uh, for the poll results. They get the usual graphic on the uh, on the Titan Tron. Wade Barrett's safe. We get uh, we get the other two to step forward, and Justin Gabriel is eliminated to a smattering of boos. And all I've got in my notes here is it's really weird having two heels in the top two. Well, you, you missed the four hours of suspenseful drum roll before we got the result as well. Oh, we get that later too. That's uh, that's yeah. the fun thing. We get we get it, we get two we get two lots of four hour drum roll. Um, no, we get three. Do we? This is the bit which yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember now. Gabriel gives sort of a, a fairly decent face promo, uh, saying he's just a kid from South Africa living his dream, and now he's. Dream over, but not really because he's tenacious and he'll keep coming back until he makes it in WWE and someday he will be world champion. That day is yet to come, but he had an okay run. He managed tag champion a couple of times. I believe he's doing it now, though, so, you know, he's he's doing something with his life. He's doing what, sorry? He's doing a PhD. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, fair dues. I think he he had an okay indie run, didn't he, after WWE? Yeah. Was he in Lucha Underground? I can't remember. Yeah, he was in Lucha Underground. He was with Angelico. Yes, of course he was, yes. Yeah, so... This is the point that if I could summon Andy, he would have answered that a lot quicker. (laughs) Well, anything apart from Jack Swagger's brilliant, so... (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was that was you know it was quite a nice way to bow out and and he's he's heading off up the ramp and then and then Matt Hardy happens. You knew it come. Well, it's just for, 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 you know, you know where he is and he's not in reincarnation. He's in satellite base. No, he wasn't though. Matt Hardy was on the stage. That was a season one pro. Yeah, I think drink anyway. It was Justin Gabriel's pro, and he he has like two or three attempts to start the promo, but whoever's controlling the music isn't paying attention and then it's just a really awkward like thing where he's trying to trying to give Justin Gabriel a bit of a rub and endorse him but it comes off really disingenuous and Gabriel would have just been better off leaving in a taxi saying Lord Sugar will regret firing me it, it, it would have been better than that awkwardness it, it made me cringe it was awful <laughs> but not as bad as having to listen to Leia Cool, who were up next uh, introducing their rookie, and you know it's the first female pros, but my god, they were insufferable. And I think that's kind of the point with Leia Cool. I was disappointed though that this was before the time that they decided to, or, or the marketing department hit on the great idea of cutting the women's title in half rather than giving them one each. Oh, I remember that title. Yeah, yeah. But again, they start out their season two by shitting on their on their rookie, by saying by sort of denigrating his size and saying, "Now, oh, well, if it if it doesn't work out, he can carry our titles." Which you know, I get the title carrying thing that's in character, but again, we've got another one that's just like, "Oh well, we're going to start off by pointing out his flaws." Where did they point out his flaws, Dan? Satellite base. Gulp. Yeah, we get the Caval videos, obviously low key, and uh, I always forget how deep his voice is. It's shockingly deep, isn't it? 
Yeah, it, just a wee bit. It, but he talks himself up as an underdog and, and how much fight he's got and that he's an intense, no-nonsense New Yorker. Does a far better job of talking himself up than his, uh, than his pros did. And Michael Cole calls him an intense, no-nonsense um, New Yorker. So I, I guess they're, <laughs> they're really getting that in on the subliminal. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've got this thing that vaguely rhymes, let's hammer it home. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you reckon to your first sight of Caval, Lauren? I believe my first expression was, oh, he's so small. <laughs> so, you, so, you, so you went the local route then? <laughs> he, he teeny tiny. But, like, but also ass kicky. <laughs> he did seem very ass kicky, but like, oh, he was so small. Like, oh, and I don't know if I know that guy. Do I know that guy? Uh, Loki. Been all, all around the US Indies. He was in Impact for a good stretch. Um, um, MLW, he um, just came to the ring, kicked people and pinned them. That's, I mean, that sounds pretty standard. Yeah. No, I mean, literally, it was, you know, three-second matches. Fair. Not a bad hourly rate. I was going to say, if no. I was going to get that much for coming in and kicking someone for three minutes, I'd do it a lot. For three seconds? Yeah. He had the gimmick of, you know, the Hitman game where he's got, like, the suit and the red tie. Thing. Yeah. yeah, he was doing that. Yeah, he, he was. Oh, uh, further one from Andy, he was like, Does he have Adidas bottoms and does he sit in a squat position often? Because he was like, He is the definition of a Slav squat. Um, he had something resembling Adidas track. Uh, he, rest, he wrestled in a kind of like, I'm sure he wrestled in long trousers in NXT. Um, he, definitely, but, yeah. he definitely did an MLW. Yeah, so yeah, that's Cabal. Um, it's coming in season two, and then we get uh, it's another break, I think, or at least at the very least, we get a graphic that says, since its debut, NXT has been the number one show on sci fi every week. Which my response was, that's not hard. <laughs> Compared to like 20 <laughs> year old reruns of um, Stargate SG1, Stargate was excellent. How dare you? Yeah, it, I, I enjoy Stargate, but, you know, everything else on sci-fi was, uh, you know, rerun for the 10th time, wasn't it? Was, the, was this the only new product they had? I'll have you know, sci-fi around this time broadcast Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Every week against NXT? Uh, probably. Yeah. I don't know. Next up is the next uh, the next pro, and it's Mark Henry. He's saying apparently he's... <laughs> satellite base, okay. Drink. It makes me so mad when Mark Henry refers to himself as the world's strongest man and I'm like, Marius Podzinowski would like a word. Like, yeah. he's not the world's strongest man. Coming from someone who is minorly obsessed with it, he is not the bloody world's strongest man. How dare you? But also, hi, Mark Henry. I would like a hug at one point in my life, please. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he would give the absolute best hugs. Like... I'm going to ruin Dan's life. Dan gives fantastic hugs. Like, Dan's hugs are great. But Mark Henry looks like he would give hugs where you'd be like, I am not prepared for this much love all in one go. And, and before he hugs you, he's main event. <laughs> yeah, Andy, Andy did say when it was like, let me introduce you to my rookie because it's time. For the main event. And I was like, hang on. How old would Orange Cassidy have been at this time? Would he have been approximately six? Because I would have just liked like a little Orange Cassidy to pop up at the bottom and try and talk over him. 
I would have enjoyed that very much. Um, Mark Henry's a genius. I'm, you know, I'm guessing Tony Khan must be paying him at least three hundred thousand dollars a year to just shout it's time for the main event once a week. Also, Lauren, to uh, to blow mind uh, when this aired, Orange Cassidy would have been twenty five. How old's Orange Cassidy? Thirty eight. I regret I will not be able to finish this podcast because my brain just fell out my ear. <laughs> oh, also, what? While, uh, while we just took a little break in recording, I found out that David Otunga, uh, one of his trainers, was Northampton's own Norman Smiley. Oh, well, then he should have won. They should have had Norman Smiley on as a pro. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching his rookie the big wiggle. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Lauren, you're you having a minor existential crisis in the corner there. I think I'm having the same kind of existential crisis when you're reminded that I'm a good few years older than you. Yeah, that always confuses me. Yeah, like obviously, Rob, we haven't met in person, but it doesn't seem to be able to compute with the Dan that I am, in fact, older than him. Well, uh, uh, yeah, it's his alcohol-riddled brain. Uh, and he probably just looks you know. I, I really don't like I I have lived many a life and had many friends like Dan trust me I am distinct like I, I look my age and I'm okay with that <laughs> there's no one like Dan he's a one-off prototype not designed for mass production I respectfully disagree because Dan has met Andy and they are not dissimilar men they'll, they'll dig up my remains in, in centuries to come and say oh yeah this is how we ended up back in the sea <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to laugh so enthusiastically at that. <laughs> it's fine. I, I robbed that line from some comedian or other. I can't remember. Um, uh, but anyway, back to Mark Henry. He's introducing his rookie, who apparently thinks he's lucky, and that rhymes. Uh, and Mark Henry thinks his rookie's lucky too because he's got him as a mentor. Isn't that nice? Use the camera time to get yourself over, Mark. And it's a video for Lucky Cannon. Uh, he's called Lucky due to avoiding unspecified close calls. I'm assuming that means near-death experiences. Uh, he's got heart and can-do attitude. I, I love those unspecified miss <laughs> in near calls. It, you know, he could have just got back to his car while the parking warden's about to give him a ticket sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, we get we don't get much more. So he's, uh, he can't stop work stuff, and, and Michael Cole informs us that he's a former sheriff's deputy. So... There we go. And I can't recall seeing Lucky Cannon anywhere other than NXT. Spoiler alert. If we get to something a bit more straightforward, uh, after, the, after the Lucky Cannon video, uh, we're in the ring with Wade Barrett and David Otunga and Matt Stryker. And Stryker's telling us that the rookies have had the chance to prove themselves physically, and now is the chance to do so verbally. They're going to each get 60 seconds to tell the other why they should win and the other should be eliminated. Because that's what you want from your main event, is a talk-off. What I loved about this is that David Otunga has been to Harvard Law, you know, and presumably most people that go to Harvard Law will go on to be lawyers. And he's been given 60 seconds to sum up his case, and he's shit at it. Yep. Yep. Otunga goes first, he launches into just calling Wade Barrett ugly, saying he's... uh, One line that was something resembling amusing was when he said that Wade Barrett's nose is as crooked as his pro. I thought that was quite a, quite a good knock on Jericho. Um, but then he launches into the, uh, the stereotypical sort of piss taking about British people's teeth. 
saying that he, the only pay per view he'd pay to see Barrett in is uh, versus Aquafresh and Listerine. Uh... Great, love that. Uh, he talks up his cover, talks up his physique, saying that he's you know, ready for a cover shoot with muscle and fitness. Uh, talks up his his charisma, which is negligible, and saying that moves can be taught, but he has whatever it factor. And did he mention he went to Harvard? And there was some a smattering of booze after that. It wasn't anything to write home about, as Rob said. It was ultimately just a bit crap. I just didn't understand why there was, from what you've said, Dan, and the bit that we got in the skit at the start, it had seemed like quite a physical challenge thus far. Why is the final decided on a promo? I think it was because the people writing it had given up. That's fair. Would you like me to now introduce the bit where we said me and Andy have an idea for the podcast listeners? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so, Wade Barrett turns around and says in his very Lancashire brogue, well, you say I've got the it factor. I could add two letters to what factor I think you've got. It took me an embarrassingly long time to figure that out. I mean, shit, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But Andy and I thought, why don't we ask the podcast universe? What's the best you can come up with with two letters? What, it on has the, to have on the, on the front of it. It has factor. to. It doesn't have to be on the front of it. It can be after it, but you only uh, get to add two letters. Does do I and T have to be together as well? Can we? Yes. Hmm. Prefix or suffix of two letters, and see what you can come up with. Because I also discovered that my husband does not have a great grasp of the English language with some of the ones he was trying to come up with. <laughs> but he is he is from Lancashire, so we will forgive him. No, we won't. I mean, you are, I was going to say, you are coming to, like, have a bro weekend with him in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Don't mean I'm going to forgive him, being a lanky. Uh, and now I have to say, for the sake of my relationship, Dan, that, that's really unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Does, does Beth happen to be listening at this exact moment? Beth's always listening. <laughs> I know well enough. It'll get back to her. Uh. <laughs> well, speaking of people from Lancashire, Wade Barrett goes through his, uh, his retort and his, uh, as Lauren alluded to, he's uh, suitably sarcastic, saying that Otunga was thoroughly entertaining and sure it had viewers turning off in droves like every time he gets in the ring. And he talks up... He actually uses his uh, his sort of I suppose, I suppose lack of physique compared to Atunga and his broken nose to his advantage, saying that he's a fighter. While Atunga might have a great physique, but he hasn't the first clue how to use it, and says that he's seen great Kali move with more balance and poise. <laughs> the greatest insult of all. Yeah. And then comes the line about you know talking about the it factor, and uh, he could add two letters onto the front of it, and that's what that's what he thinks of Atunga, and. That's right. And then, he, and then he starts launching into, you want to talk about Wade Barrett and he gets cut off because he forgot he only had 60 seconds. Yeah. The thing about both of these promos is they both run the opposition down, which is all well and good and ha-ha, but then it makes them look like they've beaten a no-one whoever wins. Yeah. I'd still say Barrett got the better of it, though. Because at, at, he... at least with Barrett, he used Otunga's criticisms and turned them into his strengths. You know, saying it's proof that he's a fighter and he knows what he's doing. 
Yeah, he got the better of it, but you know, uh, the idea of a wrestling promo is to build your opponent up so that it looks like you've beaten someone. Mm. Suppose so. Yeah, yeah, but I suppose both spent more time denigrating the other one on why they shouldn't win rather than building up reasons why they should. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's just how this episode's going, really, isn't it? It's, it's really annoying that this is probably the weakest episode of the series, not, you know, not throwing my cards on the table too early. But, and they've saved it for the finale, which is a pain in the ass. Uh, it's the inverse wrestlicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Stryker calls for the second pros poll huddle. Uh, then we get Kofi Kingston introducing his rookie. And Kofi's. And the where are one. we, Dan? I'm getting to that. We're in satellite base. Drink. Drink. Boom! 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 What's up, NXT? Intercontinental Champion Kofi Kingston here to let you know that I will be a professional on next season of NXT. And my rookie just so happens to be son of WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Perfect. Now, be that as it may, this man, this man is going to make his own mark. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at Michael McGillicuddy. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. And that noise right there means it's time for Steve-O to booker it better. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. What the hell is up, NXT? And by pure coincidence, 20 years later, I become the NXT commentator. But that all aside, I want to tell you the fact that I'm now the pro for the pro, Kofi Kingston. Now, based on 2011, me, Booker T, I was obsessed with this kid. It was Kofi Kingston this, Kofi Kingston that, Kofi, Kofi's got to stop doing these Kofi dance moves, gotta just come to the ring, settle down. Because that way Kofi Kingston would have become the biggest superstar on the planet, but he, he always danced around the ring. And every time I'd be watching a match, it'd be Kofi, Kofi. So when I train Kofi Kingston, I'll be telling him to his face, stop this dance, just get on, pin your opponent. Now, can you dig that? <laughs> did, did, did Steve orgasm in the middle of that? I believe so. Just the idea of the pro having a pro. Yeah. <laughs> There's levels to this mentorship. <laughs> <laughs> did you say mentorship or mental shit? <laughs> Both. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fucking hell, Steve-O. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was definitely a thing, as always. Cheers, mate. In the actual promo, Kofi's introducing his rookie, say he's the son of Mr. Perfect, but will make his own mark. And it's Michael McGillicuddy, with one of the greatest names ever in WWE. Yeah. They're really half pregnant with Michael McGillicuddy, weren't they? Because they, they went around constantly telling everyone that he was Larry the Axe Henning's uh, grandson and Kurt Henning's son. But he's going to carve his own destiny and be completely different. It's like... Hey, when he when he found his feet as Curtis Axel, I say found his feet, when he came as Curtis Axel, he beat Triple H and was an intercontinental champion. He beat Triple H because Triple H had an unexpected in- uh, injury and they called an audio on it. Called an audio. 
what do they what do they say? They call Aud- Audible. Audible, they called an Audible on it. <laughs> hey, it still counts. He was there, he was present, he had the he had the presence of mind to uh, to go along with that Audible. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and, and let's who could forget Rybaxel with fellow NXT alum Skip Sheffield, <laughs> aka Ryback. Yeah, he had a beanie hat. I mean, I mean he was one step away from swagger. He was a step down from swagger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, it's it's bad when it's gone sub swagger. <laughs> sub swagger, sub swagger. It. <laughs> that that's not a good place to be ever. No. Also, I will like I will die on the hill that they did not say Michael McGillicutty or whatever his name actually was. I listened to it four times. <laughs> yes, you, did you think it was Michael McGillicutty? Uh, like no T on the end of it, just Michael McGillicutty, and I was like standard. Yeah, fair enough, but there he is. <laughs> the future Curtis Axel. Former who would go on to be tag team champion with David Otunga. Managed by Paul Heyman. <laughs> yeah, that was managed by Paul Heyman. God's sake, WWE. Then we we come back and here's some long-winded bullshit. <laughs> and we get some more hype for the start of season two from Michael Cole. And Matthew, the Josh Matthews reiterating the fan involvement, and then the throw to striker. The rookies are still at, the eliminated rookies are still at ringside, looking pissed. Striker builds up to the uh, to the final pull being revealed. At which point, the Miz gets up and interrupts with an important announcement. Uh, and the announcement is that the Miz will be back in season two as a pro. Unlike this season, he will be burdened with an egotistical loser like Daniel Bryan. Next season, he'll have a winner, Alex Riley. A-Rai. A-Rai, who was, he was good for about 20 minutes. He had a banging theme tune, Dan, you've got to give him that. He had one of the best theme tunes, in fairness. But this version of Alex Riley is just an arrogant prick wearing something resembling a Letterman jacket and says that season two will be Alex Riley and the Seven Darks. Uh, yeah, funny. I enjoyed funny. that. I uh, enjoyed that, yeah, nah, one for me. If that was a series, we were totally reviewing the uh, debut and final episode of Alex Riley and the Seven Dogs. Yes, we would, in fairness. We're back from the pros poll, uh, at which point Regal interrupts to congratulate Chris Jericho before the graphics been, uh, have been revealed, saying congratulations on having the best man in the show, blah-de-blah. R-Truth says he hasn't won anything yet, and <laughs> Regal turns around and says, the only thing your man has going for me is he's, he married well, but I've seen his wife, so he didn't marry that well. Uh... <laughs> Regal with the unnecessary shot at Jennifer Hudson. But it's, it's in the delivery with Regal. I, I didn't do it justice there, but it was way funnier the way he delivered it. And it all just descends into a bit of chaos, doesn't it? With everyone trying to get get a word in and Regal just wanting a fight. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, that classic Bobby Barron training that he's had, uh, you know, and uh, all the uh, time he spent with his best friend Dave Taylor. So, you know, it's uh, it's that Bradford School of Wrestling running through him. Yeah, pretty much. I did, I did like it when uh, I think it was uh, Christian said, Regal, you better sit down. You haven't won a fight in a year. Uh... <laughs> And in the middle of it, all Punk just wandered off. I did enjoy that. Punk was just like, no, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. 
in the middle of it all, Jericho talked up his influence on Barrett winning, and he would and his his own ability, saying that he'd have made Skip Sheffield win <laughs> if he'd been uh, Jericho's pro. Uh, to which Regal just says, "Chris, I've always liked you in your two moves." Uh... <laughs> and you know Barrett would have won regardless. Matt Hardy tries to start, but thankfully gets cut off because he's uh, the promos for him work great, really. And Striker interrupts to get the whole pull going again, and. Bits of that were mildly amusing, but it kind of really took the shine off the moment, especially as we go into the third very long drum roll. I mean, Regal had been tasked with stretch this damn show out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Bless if you're going to task somebody with stretching something out, it's going to be Regal, isn't it? You can say, twist people in knots. Yeah, but, uh, I, I did enjoy when he called um, Christian Benjamin Bottom. <laughs> I missed that bit. Yeah, he said, "Sit down, Benjamin Button." <laughs> one thing I did, one thing I did notice, though, sort of looking back at this, is how many, um, how many of the pros have ended up in AEW. I also noticed that uh, Jericho, Matt Hardy, Christian Punk, Regal, <laughs> Our truth still with WWE, Miz is still with WWE, and, and Carlito somewhere. Uh, Carlito is alive. Carlito wasn't even on the show on the on the show at this point. They didn't even bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't, but I think he was still with WWE at this point. I meant to look where where he actually was. He, he was spitting in the face of people who um, aren't cool. Oh, I'm actually looking at this. Maybe he did get released in 2010. <laughs> they released him partway through. That's brilliant. I think they did. <laughs> Great commitment to the bit there. <laughs> he was released on May the 21st uh, due to a violation of the wellness program, and he refused to attend rehab. Well, Apple addiction's a real thing. <laughs> so yeah, that's where and that's where Carlito was in 2010. It's a very long drum roll. It brings the crowd back ever so slightly. And Wade Barrett is announced as the winner. The man who's been number one in all the polls by the first one when he was second. Uh, and David Otunga's uh, asking if uh, Aston, Aston's around because he thinks he's been punked. What a, uh, what a sign of the times. Yeah, I never liked that show. And he gives it the very stereotypical Stevie Wonder could have seen that he should have won. But he says it's okay, he was eliminated from a reality show before and became a bigger star than anyone on it. Alludes to he his was wife. He was New York too, apparently. Never heard of it. No, it's not um, the real world back to New York, is it? No, obviously not. And I did like it when he finished his promo and Stryker just goes, well, some people are calling you bitter, but that's not for me to judge. Uh, Stryker's brilliant. Yeah, he is. Stryker, he'd hype up anything. Just just imagine him doing like a, a raffle at a, at a, yeah, a charity uh, event or something. <laughs> selling, raffle tickets, selling raffle tickets in Indie Show. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've just nearly choked on my bubble tea. I have been betrayed. Um, <laughs> as Sorry. he was talking... <laughs> Slight bit of melodrama for Friday night. There we go. I realised as he was talking, I was like, why Why is his voice... For-? I realised that my- Matt Strike is the voice of Lucha Underground. Yes, he is. Yeah. That's where yeah. he... Because trans- I was like, I know his voice. Why do I know his voice? Like... I don't pay attention to people a lot of the time. Dan can attest to this. What? So, that and all. But, yeah, I was like, 
Ah, oh, so I can see here like where he's starting to get the momentum, like where he's trying to draw the attention back and stuff. But I'm like, good lord, leaving WWE was probably the best thing that that man ever did. Well, by 2011, Stryker, I believe, was on commentary for the... I can't remember if it was the 2010 or 2011 Royal Rumble. I think it was the 2011 one, because that was the 40-man one. And he was on commentary, and Diesel came out. Mm-hmm. And he got taken off of, He got taken off commentary, because when Diesel came out, he called it a mark-out moment and said, that, and I quote, he said, I'm marking out, bro. Mm-hmm. And that was enough to get him canned off commentary. Wow. Uh, that's, that's a big loss, that is. But, I mean, you know, you talk about the vice of Lucha Underground. If Lucha Underground had done this, you know, uh, they'd had Striker and Vampiro on commentary, and when people were eliminated, they were they were treated as a sacrifice to the gods. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. Just saying. Yeah. Um, Dario Quinto was the master of ceremonies. It would have been brilliant, but it wasn't. Yeah, and this wasn't either. Barrett gets his sort of victory promo, uh, saying that he's the next breakout star. Nothing that him and Jericho didn't know from the start. He didn't come to NXT for a pat on the back or approval, but to make a lot of coin. He's got a pay-per-view title match to bring in the big books. Uh, and he has some bad news for the pros, which I didn't realise bad I news marked. was birthed there. I marked. Yeah. He's like, I've got some bad news. I was like, yay! He said the thing that he said before. I was like, well, no, that was the first time he said it. Sorry, he yeah. said it before. It was like, ha a legend is born. Well, Pretty not really much. a legend, like the mediocre you, at best. But I you know, think you'd, you'd be I surprised enjoy. how many people remember bad news, Barrett. Get that man a cherry picker and a gavel. Yeah, days <laughs> reconstruction surgery. <laughs> and he, he he really is the definition of. I don't know if this was ever a thing that was actually said. But when they first started NXT, apparently Trips was being informally interviewed. And I'm sure I've said it before, but where he said, oh, the difference between American wrestlers and like UK European is American wrestlers are like, I played some college football, tried out in wrestling, thought I'd give this a go. UK wrestlers, like I have been bar fighting since I was nine and I have killed a man. Yeah. That is that is the definition of Wade Barrett. Or as or as Les, or as Les Kelly. the definition of Tank Abbott, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say oh, Les Kelly called it a quiet childhood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nine. <laughs> Kelly started before nine. <laughs> oh god. Barrett talks about the winds of change blowing and the here and it's taking Barrett to the WWE heavyweight title, uh, which it really should have done because coming out of this, we have the whole, you know, the Nexus angle and and Barrett really should have been champion. But this was the time where every major heel got fed to John Cena. So, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, then that's that. That's the season of NXT wrapped up. A lacklustre into an otherwise enjoyable series yeah when you got me to watch that one Dan I was a bit confused because I was like this is shit like this is really quite shit yeah it really doesn't live up to the rest of the series which is frustrating like at all quite good wasn't it though to review that but yeah yeah Aside from the advert for American Bang, did he, did he catch any adverts on the show at all, Dan? 
Uh, not apart from the one that it was hyping itself up as being the number one show on sci-fi. No, no, pr- pretty much. Uh, but in terms of uh, adverts and shouts that we've had for the show, um, Sarah at Turd Ferguson said that it was a pleasure recording with us, and uh, after the recording, um, she was going to uh, drink more of the Malbec that she'd been drinking on the show. So uh, don't blame me there, Sarah. <laughs> you need more. You need more wine after reliving Restlicious. Yeah. That, that was the best episode of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Bellis at Real Chris Bellis said that while the runtime of uh, the episode that we did with AB was a tad daunting, uh, there was over an hour cut out of that show in the editing, and it's still nearly four hours. Uh, that, um, that, that was the recording where I fell down the stairs. Yeah. He, he, he loved it. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was great fun talking to Abby. Yeah, I was I started recording in my bedroom upstairs, then decamped downstairs and slit. I've got uh, a pair of joggers that are about a, a foot too long in the leg. And I finally, for the first time in seven years, slipped on them and ended up with my knee twisted underneath me. But on the bright side, I didn't drop my laptop or spill my beer. I'm not sure whether to be proud of you or not. I think it, it's a it's a subtle balance of... of Pride and shame. It would 100% be one of those that I'd be like, oh, Dan. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. But that's a lot of my interactions with you at TBH. My life is a joke. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> ben, our witnesses of Ben um, said that uh, he'd have to shave 55 minutes off your recording when you appeared on Rams to Bites with him. Yep. They just kept me, uh, they just let me keep talking. Uh, and AB at official AB underscore Paul said, to be fair, uh, she's now two for two after uh, making you go along on the Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> that was another about three, three and a half hour recording. <laughs> this, this you do just... realise that I'm just thinking to myself, amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this, yeah, this was basically three and a half hours of dick jokes. <laughs> I mean, I could do that if absolutely necessary. My surname is Allcock, like, how are? <laughs> well, we'll, have to, we'll have to get you on a podcast with AB and uh, <laughs> put you up to the challenge. But talking about the editing extremely long po- um, podcasts, we, we got a, uh, a gif of Jason Alexander winking from Cy Powell. So he, he, he's pain <laughs> as well. Well, as AB said, you, can, you and Cy can start a support group. Yeah. Steve Rock told Steve O said um, eight seconds after hearing AB on UTT he's already wanting more. Well, he got four hours more of it, to be fair. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I just realised I had something actually written in capital letters that I'd forgotten to bring up. Why did no one bring up R-Truth's dangerous peen violence towards William Regal? I'm sorry, what? He thrust at him and Regal took a step back. Oh, God, yeah, our truth danced at him for some reason, including thrusting. I was going to say there was peen thrusting. I was there and I witnessed it. Like, well, Norman Smiley had been, um, had been one of the pros. There'd have been more than that. There would have been a big wiggle. Yeah. It was just, it was just one of those. I was like, why? Like, why? And also, like, Rob, feel free to cut this in because I forgot Andy's quote of the night. Chris Jericho walked out and Andy went, Jericho doesn't really age, does he? Like, who did he sell his... Wait, never mind. He sold his soul to every fucker. 
<laughs> so that was Andy's quote of the night, which actually led oh, yeah. his wife to collapsing into hysterics. <laughs> Excellent. And I'll oh. just remind me, Rob, I need to tell you his actual quote of the night off the air. Um, oh, I would like I would like to be on the call when that happens because it was because it was fucking horrific. <laughs> it was funny. Oh yeah, but it was also terrible. Like we cannot deny that that thing was oh it was not good. Excellent. Looking forward to that one. Uh, sure. Sam Rogers, Mister Rogers, eighty eight said it was a good job he didn't have any meetings the morning that the podcast dropped because Sam forgot the pause button exists. Uh, yeah, oh, and uh, an example to us all. He is. Yes, we need to get Sam back on to do more love, but please no. Uh, <laughs> please yes, for the fact that Dan sounds in pain. <laughs> and um, Tack Brown at uh, Tack Brown um, said he uh, really enjoyed uh, the last episode uh, that we did on Glow and uh, asked for more, please. So yeah, we're, well, we're definitely going to do more Glow because because uh, I want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a choice in the matter. It's going to happen. <laughs> no, you don't. Might even make it up the whole run for the Rubles tournament. <laughs> It'll be better than some of the shit we've watched. Yeah, it will. Yeah, I can um, do a glow mini series. Oh, don't don't get me started. Uh, there's four years worth of content. <laughs> <laughs> it was when you, it was when you were on Bang Bang recently, and you you spent the whole thing just saying, "Well, I wanted to watch Glow, but you wanted to watch this shit." <laughs> Oh, I can't believe you made me watch Spring Stampede. <laughs> I've reviewed it like eight times. There's more podcasts than me doing Spring Stampede reviews on Spotify. <laughs> oh, God, brilliant. Uh, was that all the uh, the shout-outs? It was, yeah. Great, so next up is the, uh, the awards section. And I've got a feeling that the first award is going to be a clean sweep. Because <laughs> the first award is Match of the Night. Lauren, what was your match of the night? It's a hard choice. Heath Slater versus his hair. Ooh. <laughs> curve, <laughs> curve, curveball. <laughs> Rob, what was yours? Well, I'm, I've gone more conventional with this and gone for the triple threat. <laughs> and do you know what? So have I. <laughs> but I, I did wonder about putting William Regal versus the, the clock as <laughs> he tried to stretch out the shirt. Just for a second there, I thought you said the cock and we were back onto our truth thrusting. <laughs> so did I, and I was very confused. <laughs> yeah, well, it's... Lauren found... I was going to say it's hard to give it to anything other than Wade Barrett versus David Otunga versus Justin Gabriel, but, but Lauren found a way. I mean, so. I do honestly think it was more of a challenge for Heath Slater to leave the house with that haircut. So... If we're talking about like actual physical fights, he is definitely winning. He was like, "Is my haircut ridiculous?" And then David Otunga walked past him, right? Like, no, nah, I'm right. <laughs> he was like, "It's kind of like that seat, that Principal Skinner one. Like, that is it my haircut that is ridiculous? No, it's everybody else's. <laughs> no, the children are wrong. <laughs> the children are wrong. <laughs> oh god." Uh, next up is MVP of the night. Lauren, who is your MVP and why is it yourself for sitting through it? Thank you for this prestigious award. I would like to thank the caveman <laughs> who invented fire, without which we would not be here. Honestly, Wade Barrett, just because the general British twattishness amused me. Fair enough. I've gone with Barrett as well because 
he was in the match. He had the couple of promos, he and he won. There. He, he was there. Basically, the whole thing, the whole thing was was built to put him over. So you can't not really. Rob, who's your MVP? Is it a clean sweep? I've gone for general British twatiness, and I've gone for William Regal for extending the show by fifteen minutes because road and show hot. In fairness, it was it was a tie, but I don't know. Regal seemed like a little bit not quite just like British incensed. I was like. Whatever's he he's on, can I have some of it? Because it looks quite fun. Yeah. His eyes were bulging out of his head. Six months in the wellness program afterwards is the problem. Uh, that's Jesus. fair. I don't want to do that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut in straight away because we've mentioned William Regal's general British sarcasm and twattishness, and that is what gets my moment of the night. Because it was vaguely amusing. So that gets my moment of the night. Lauren, what was your moment of the night? CM Punk just going, fuck this shit. Like, I literally, <laughs> as, I was like, hang on, is, he, is he actually going? Yeah, he's just walked away. What a man. What an example to us all. Oh, this happened, that happened several times during the series. Fair. Well, I hadn't seen the rest of the series, so I was just amused at seeing it for the first time. Yeah, Punk gets bored, wanders off. Just like, yeah, fuck it, this is beneath me. As I said before, as he is nowadays, want to do. Well, on earlier episodes in the season, Cole's just ripping into it, saying how shit it is, isn't it? Not in this season. Oh, he is. Especially the first episode, but yeah. I've gone for general British twice in my main event, in my moment of the night, and gone for um, Barrett winning. Fair enough. Yeah. Can't fault any of that, so we've... We've got a cross-section. <laughs> if we sort of cross everything over, we've managed two clean sweeps there because we just give it to the Brits as we all, as we probably were always going to do. Norman Smiley had been there. He'd have got it. <laughs> yeah. He'd have got the moment of the night and the MVP. Yeah. Um, the sign of the night, I only saw one and we've already mentioned it. So did either of you guys see anything other than I'd rather see Jennifer Hudson wrestle? I saw a sign, and I can only assume that someone watched the BT Gator Golf series, picked their favourite, went back in time, and held up a sign for Trent Barretta. There was really a Trent Barretta sign? There was a Trent Barretta sign in the crowd. That is amazing. He spent a lot of time in FCW and stuff, so maybe they were hoping that he'd be a... um, I don't know if there were any rumours about who would be the rookies for season two or whatever. I don't know. No. No. Although there was, uh, sorry, just, for some reason I've just remembered in the episode before this, Michael Cole was demanding a public apology from Daniel Bryan for attacking him the week previous, and one of his security guards was Johnny Gargano. Nice. Johnny Gargano was the security guard. Who's he going to intimidate? <laughs> Daniel Bryan, apparently. No, fair enough. I mean, Daniel Bryan is intimidated by. Nothing except Billy Goat's Gruff, where he lives under a bridge and torments them. That's about it. <laughs> Fair enough. I think this is the I point do where remember I remember Daniel Bryan promo once where um, there was, someone said something about his beard and he said, There's only two types of people that shouldn't have a beard women and children. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Dan was there when one's husband declared that if our child, should we have one, is born without a beard. He's booting it back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, forgot about that. 
<laughs> but Dan has heard Andy say that. Yeah, I'd forgotten. Yep. And whether it's a boy or a girl, it will be called Bernard because yes. it was acceptable enough for Blackadder. So. Yeah, can't, can't fault that logic. No. <sighs> please don't ever accuse him of logic, please. <laughs> Christ's sake. <laughs> You love having me on. You personally invited me back on here. I oh, know. I just forgotten that about what Andy said. <laughs> it's, it's just tickled me all over again. <laughs> oh well, I'm glad you're amused. Yeah. Like the future death of my innards. <laughs> oh, that made it sound way too violent. It's not funny anymore. You like fucking death match, you weirdo. How the hell is that violent? <laughs> There's a difference between death matches and having a baby punted back up you. Whereas you thought it was entertaining the first time round. I was I was, I was very aware of how painful this was going to be. I was drunk, that's my defence, and I'm sticking to it. Now's the time where I realise uh, that I'd forgotten, again forgotten to inform this you. This is that five weeks in a row, Dan. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm going for the high score. We, uh, we've added a new award, Lauren. Oh, Lord, I haven't been told about this. No, I, f- I forgot about it. Again, well done. for the fifth week in a row. As well as the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night, we now have the Tory Wilson Award for the Best Haircut of the Night. Because best and outstanding are two different things. Outstanding can be is now becoming outstandingly bad. So next up is the Tory Wilson Award for Best Haircut of the Night. I'll go to Rob first to give you a moment to think. Rob, who gets your Tory Wilson Award? Well, it appears from my previous awards that I've been doing my level best to uh, be extremely biased and give awards to the Brits. So Layla is getting the haircut of the night. <laughs> Fair enough. She had, a, she, had a good, she had a good head of hair. And she's British, which is the and most important British. thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's very true. And, and just to give Lauren a bit more time to think, and also so she can lambast me for it, uh, I've given the best haircut award to Heath Slater. He's not British. What, what, why has he got that? <laughs> I mean, he does have kids. Yeah. Probably doesn't have time to do his own hair because he's dealing with, like, Bueller, Cletus, and, I don't know, Frogmella's hair. Frogmella. Mm, <laughs> to be British, so... It's... <laughs> so toss-up who's got more kids, Heath Slater or Martina. Maybe they're together. We don't. We don't know. We don't know if they're not. No, his uh, when he's when Heath Slater's yelled at his wife, he's yelled Beulah. Right. Because they're getting a double wide. I got back into wrestling around, like properly got back in around about the time that Heath Slater had kids. So, so is it Beulah McGillicutty that um, Raven and Tommy Dreamer feuded over? Oh God, I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, yeah, I've got the face that I had when I looked at you and the lamb having a moment. <laughs> oh yeah, that, I, I, I'll be honest, I had my eyes shut. I didn't see your face then. I was, I was, was, I was lost in meat. Uh, I took Dan to a steakhouse a few weeks ago and they gave him a cut of lamb and he started making noises and we looked at him and he went, don't look at me, this is private between me and the lamb. <clears throat> yeah. In yes, a restaurant with other people around. <sighs> it's a yeah. good thing that I'm a tolerant person. Yes, it is. 
And also that I actually have no access to asylums where you would be incarcerated currently. It was a private moment between me and the lamb. Uh, <laughs> private moment in a restaurant with about 200 people. Yes, exactly. Okay, just just so we were on the same page. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> and let's, let's not... St- I've just, I've just found something. Let's not get into uh, the story of faces that you pulled that weekend. Quiet, you. Do you, do you remember the photo I managed to get of you on? When yes, I do. You know what? I will allow you, Dan. When this podcast goes up, I will allow you to put that photo on Twitter. To be like, this is the one I was referencing. Oh, no, I'm, sending will... it, I'm, I'm just sending it to the Facebook chat so Rob can see it. Oh, joy. I don't know if Rob's actually seen my face, so like I don't know if he'll think that's normal. There's, there was nothing normal about that face you pulled. Uh, oh, it's just come up on. Um, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never heard my face described before. That's new. <laughs> Jeez, Dan. Oh, that's the least tact Rob's ever had. Yeah. So anyway, Lon. Like, I am giving you permission. That what was that for? You tried to you tried a beer, and it wasn't. You didn't it like it. Apparently. Well, I will give you permission to put that on Twitter for twenty four hours, so other people can enjoy <laughs> what the fuck is Lauren Face doing? <laughs> Lauren's the, NXT the tr- face. The, the trouble is, if it goes on Twitter for twenty four hours, <laughs> pig bladders can do a lot in twenty four hours. Yeah, challenge I wouldn't, I wouldn't challenge extended. <laughs> Dan, do you actually think I care? Uh, I true. pulled that face in a room full of people. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Oh, God. Yeah, but I, I've, I, had, I, I've had this yeah, face I, yeah, for 35 I, years. I'm pretty used to it by now. I'm still just I'm still just trying to cover the bases so that I don't get thrice murdered by you. No, I have given you, like, Rob is an witness unto the fact, as are the people listening to this. Greetings. Hello, all. I have given you my full permission on this, so go nuts for donuts. Wonderful. And who gets your Tory Wilson Award for the best haircut of the night? Kofi Kingston. Just because I really yeah. like when he has his little space buns in. Becky. Solid shout. Thank you. Look, I was trying to Kofi. think, who's been on this that actually doesn't have a shit haircut? <laughs> and Kofi's hair is good. Well, next up is the most important award of the night, the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. And I'll come back to you, Lauren. Who gets your Rene Goulet Award? Do you actually need to ask this? Is it David Otunga? The fact that he has genital jewels upon his neck <laughs> makes him the only <laughs> recipient of this. And I like I will fight that. As if twere a law case. Well, you won't have to fight me because I have gone for the vaj- the vajazzled nape himself, David Otunga. The vajazzled nape. Yep. Good. Uh, <laughs> Rob, is it a clean sweep? It's a clean sweep, and two points to this: two hundred ninety-five dollars for this haircut. They fucking saw him coming. Is the first one, uh, and the second one, not for the first time in this uh, series. I think the barber that did this haircut was the guy off the old Harp advert, who said to the customer, "Do you want a Lionel Blair cut and uh, like mine?" And he's like, "Lionel Blair doesn't have his haircut like yours." He said, "He will do if he comes in here." Uh... <laughs> 
Oh, God. Well, at least Otunga's won something in his career. Hooray. Yay for him. Aww. So, last thing to do is to give this show a rating out of 10. I'll come back to you again, Lauren. What would you rate this episode of NXT out of 10? Three, because there were three rookies left. That's <laughs> that's honestly more than I expected. <laughs> like, it wasn't bad. It made me, weirdly, for the fact that it was a finale for something that had been going on for 15 weeks, it made me more hyped to watch season two. Mm. But that's because... Of the people on season two, I know more of them. Obviously, Husky Harris eventually became the artist formerly known as I don't have time to list them. But, <laughs> but like Titus, I don't know. I was just more engaged by the people who were going to be in season two. So that piqued my interest. And if something in a show piques my interest, I can't say it's overly bad. Fair enough. Like when you showed me the thing with the sex doll. God, it was shit. God, it was shit. But then you told me the history of that championship and I started getting a little bit invested. That would be the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Championship. Which has been held by an apple at one point. It has. So, yeah, like that's what I mean. That thing you showed me was absolute hot garbage. But it had something interesting behind it. This is the first prototype of the game show. This is the first series. They're bringing out a second one. Let's see what they do with that. So I'm not going to condemn it entirely. Fair enough. That, that sounds like you've booked yourself in for the uh, first episode of season two. <laughs> you know what? Probably not a bad... Like It's up to you guys. That's probably not a bad shout because I've watched the last one. I'm happy to watch the first one and see how I'd, it goes. I'd, I'd be really interested to see what you think of it because I, re- I don't remember season two anywhere near as much as I remember season one. So, yeah, I say let's do it. Yeah, I'm absolutely fine yeah. with that. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, no. Rob, what would you rate this episode out of ten? I'm going to be slightly more generous, but but no, you know, we, we're not Mike Sanders in this uh, rating by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> uh, I'm giving it four out of ten. There, there were a couple of bits that I enjoyed. Uh, I, I enjoyed Regal's time killing for what it was, although it did stretch out the show. I enjoyed CM Punk's exasperation with the product, but I think the main problem with this was that it was just it felt like it was more of an advert for season two than actually building up the final yeah if they'd separated them out i think it could have been better um it's not but i mean we have watched some absolute dross it's it's not quite in that category but but it's not an average show no it is definitely below average and i'm right there with you on a four which is a shame because as i say i watched this whole series there were some really good there were some really good stories told and you know, in fact, even after the episode just before this, there was there was a lot more going on, and a, and a lot more intrigue. It's it's going to be sound a weird comparison at first, but it reminded me of Game of Thrones. In the the penultimate episode of Game of of a season of Game of Thrones, would always have a huge set piece, and it'd be you know very flashy and a lot of action going on, and then. The final episode would be muted by comparison, but still have a hook in for the next season. You know, cliffhanger or something to grab you to to bring you back. And I completely agree. 
Yeah, and this kind of feels the same way. The final episode, it, but obviously the final episode's a lot shitter than a than a season end, you know, season finale of Game of Thrones. <laughs> and it's just a shame that it went that the first season sort of went out with a whimper. But at yeah. least they did so managing to to hype up the second season. We've got a new crop of faces in 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 the pros and the and the rookies, and the Miz did some fantastic work this season. So it really is good to see him coming back as sort of a, a focal point on the show, because him and Daniel Bryan and and Michael Cole and that whole interaction carried a good chunk of of the series. So it's a shame I have to give it four, but there was a lot of time wasting, a lot of filler. And it was a bit sort of infomercially, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The community on Cage Match have rated this show 4.63 out of 10. So slightly more optimistic than us, but but not massively. Yeah, I'd, I'd, struggle to, I'd struggle to see how anybody could give it any more than a five. And that's coming from someone who actually enjoyed the, um, enjoyed the triple threat match. I thought it was actually very well put together. Um, but, yeah, didn't save the show at all. And nor did Regal's sarcasm. When Regal sar- sarcasm can't save something, you know it's beyond hope. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. So I suppose all that's left to do now then is to thank Lauren, for, <laughs> thank Lauren once again for coming on and enduring this with us. Uh, hopefully the, the first episode of season two will treat you much better. And uh, where can people find you online? Much more frequently on Twitter these days, under at Law Ash Renly, so L A U A S H R E N L E Y. Just for you, Ben. Now that you know how to say it on Rantomeisters. Oh yes. Hi, Ben from Rantomeisters. It's Law Ash Renly because my name is Lauren Ashley, so I just split my name up. There you go. <laughs> uh, we, we need right. to get you on Rantomeisters. I, I, I think you would <laughs> excel. Oh yeah. Right. You know, I did a two-part, which is the only two-part you've ever had. Yeah. Rantomized yeah. as I'd be going a week later. Yeah, like, I just wouldn't well, that's stop. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they they, they, they encourage energy drinks on that show as well, so we could put you full of caffeine and just set you loose. They like feeding a mogwai after midnight. I was gonna say, have you seen how much caffeine I imbibe anyway? Like that we're going to heart attack levels of this, but at least if I die, I die doing what I loved, complaining about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I am a woman in my 30s. Nothing is acceptable. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yes. I would actually like to be on Randomizers, though, like subtle hint. Hi. I would enjoy that very much. <laughs> oh, I, think you'd, I think you'd terrify Ben. But it'd be great, <laughs> it'd be great to listen to. I am told that I apparently scare quite a few people, and I am not even slightly terrifying. I am a lovely human being. Yes, Dan, are. don't disagree with this. I have literally gotten you to safe spots after drinking many times. I just said yes, you are. With a pause, which I'm wondering if you'd had your camera on, would it have been a sign saying, help me? I was taking a drink. You're going to get into a safe spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found a blind spot in the camera. She can't get me there. But yes, um, Instagram handles the same. Basically, all of my socials are under that handle if you want to talk to me. I'm, I am very friendly. I will probably talk back. Lovely stuff. 
I'll let Rob do the, the outros for the show as always, so I'm going to jump in. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. And if you want to hear more of me talking about stuff, I'm on the Doctor Who pod with Cy Powell, where we look at one episode or serial per Doctor per season, uh, seeing what lands for me with the classic Who stuff as a modern Who fan, and the reverse for Cy with the new stuff as a classic Who fan. So Rob, can you take us home please, mate? Yeah, you can find me at UTT Rob, which we know more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. So I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back on the same feed that you listen to this. You can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with Danny at Scottish Juggalo and my whole drinking buddy, the real Chris Bellis. And uh, they're going through forgotten storylines of wrestling, wrestlers, and not getting that much love, that kind of thing. Um, they have a pint-sized series as well, where they're going through all the episodes of Wrestle Society X and Wrestle Society Extra. So short episodes, um, original Wrestle Society X was short episodes, so... Really easy to get involved with if you want to do that. You can follow the main show at UTT Podcast. I've got a couple of side projects. Uh, the first one is on Booking the Tankatory, where we're following the ups and downs of the in-ring career of legitimately the hardest man who ever lived, one David Tank Abbott. And if you follow the Twitter for that, at UTT Tank, you can get some hashtag Tank Facts. Yeah. Such as, Tank Abbott can... Teach an old dog new tricks. Yep, you can. Taught a 15-year-old Labrador how to unicycle. <laughs> he did, yes. He only had one leg as well. Yeah. Um, Tank Abbott is the only person to ever make a test of strength machine tap out. Very true. And archaeologists have confirmed that the Sphinx lost its nose after looking the wrong way at Tank Abbott. And Tank Abbott pulled his punch. Yeah. He did, he did, and that's recorded facts, it's in Papyrus. And our other side project, uh, which is in full flow now, we are taking a sporting presentation view of the BTE Gator Golf Challenge, the only time that professional wrestling championship ever changed hands by legitimate sporting competition, and uh, we're having a lot of fun there over on uh, UTT putting. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect from that going in, but I didn't expect to get as into it as I am. Uh, we've seen some absolute travesties and some absolute talent, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, we have. Um, we are the only people who are calling for VAR in Gator Golf. Yeah, we are. That That is something that has happened. It is indeed. Uh, yeah, sorry, I could, I, could, I could just hear like confused noises coming from Lauren's end. Just here. Yeah, you, you'll you'll understand when the uh, when the podcast drops, if yeah. you can be bothered to will, listen to will, it. Will I though? Which for you should be Thursday. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> oh god! I will. Oh. I will unfortunately be losing all power of hearing on Thursday in an absolutely unrelated <laughs> incident. <laughs> She, she tripped and fell and ended up with pencils point first in both ears. Saying wibble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'd have to, have to be up your nose for that. But anyway, thank you, Rob, for that wrap-up. Thank you again for joining us, Lauren. And thank, thank you, you for very listening. much for having me. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. It's time to meet the WWE's next breakout star. Let's see the pros poll.
Anyway, right. Distractions. Sorry. It's all right. It's kind of our MO. Yeah. Right. Here we go. I completely blanked on how to start my own podcast then. That's a great start. <laughs> Well, do you know, I, I just sat there and I was like, do I normally start this with hello? Am I thinking about the Doctor Who pod when Si does it? And, I, and no, I don't. I don't. It'll just go welcome. But anyway, that's one for the outtakes. Uh, whose phone's going ballistic? Yeah, I was wondering that. I can hear some... I'm, I'm getting some major static down. Uh, it's not mine because no one else really talks to me. I'm only on here so I can feel like I've got friends. Andy's Andy's left for the weekend. I am all. I am alone and bereft. If there was ever, if there was ever a promo clip for this show, (laughs) (laughs) oh god.